Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from To Serve, To Protect, To Spy, Behind the Scenes in the War Against Crime and Espionage, written by John Snyderman. On the Front Line Fighting Crime and Espionage Due to the sensitive nature of my profession, I am known simply as Mr. J. I have the unique ability to analyze people, places, and things in such a way as to be able to determine what would, should, can, could come next. In a way, I can predict the future. I first developed this ability while watching chess games in the park when I was 12 years old and soon was able to predict the moves and the winners of several games at the same time. Before graduating from high school, I was being utilized as an unknown source helping to solve cases for the local police. When I eventually became a federal agent, I quickly advanced to one of the highest levels, Chief Strategist Level 4, and was charting and predicting moves and countermoves against the various organized crime operations while also protecting the United States against cyber attacks. I'd like to share with you a carefully redacted inside view of my career in counterintelligence and later as a CIA handler. Hold on to your seat. This will be a wild ride. And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from To Serve, To Protect, To Spy. To Protect, To Serve, To Spy. Chapter 1. The man selected a corner seat in that dimly lit, noisy bar. I found it hard to believe that he'd actually sit there. My best guess was that I wasn't the only one keeping track of him. I had thought I'd seen at least two others along Beale Street. We were both professionals in this game. I'm sure he had spotted me, despite my frequent costume changes along the way. He sat in the corner on one of those taller bar stools with a round table in front of him. What was unusual for me to believe was that he had his back to the corner window, and on his right was another window at street level. Was he waiting for something to happen? Did he have a death wish of some kind? My mind was spinning. Thoughts of this guy sitting in plain sight was upsetting to me. He had too many enemies, including me. In between the intermingling crowd, I watched his movements carefully. He pretended to be sipping on a tall, dark drink, but when his left hand and arm came up, the underside of his wrist turned towards his chin. I saw his lips moving slightly. He was talking to someone, somewhere. I spent the next thirty minutes watching this guy and scanning the crowd. It was my job. I noted every twist and turn. I won't tell you who my employer is. I won't tell you who this guy is. You can assume it is important, or I wouldn't be here. I just couldn't believe this guy. You'd think he was sending out invitations. He finally slipped off of that high stool, leaned over, and looked out both of the windows, moving his head slowly right to left. Was he looking for his bodyguards? His assassins? Your guess at this point is as good as mine. We left that bar and headed toward the corner in Beale Street, the jazz bars and the crowds of sightseers. I ducked into a dark corner near a construction dumpster threw on my gray-haired wig, complete with a ponytail, and reversed my light jacket with the light blue stripe to the outside. 
When I glanced over to my left, one of those trackers was only two feet away from me. He actually reached out and pushed me out of the way to get a look down the alley behind me. I played the role and complained about being pushed. He didn't utter a word, but flashed his badge at me. My disguise had worked on two fronts. First, I was not recognized. And secondly, I saw that the guy was some sort of government agent. The gold badge he had flashed at me only belongs to the feds. Okay, I thought. It was time to do the math. This guy from the bar is being tailed by me. That'll be one. I saw two others before he went into the Hard Rock Cafe and Bar. Now, I think that the guys I had seen before were not the feds. Then the guy who pushed me makes four. I know this guy. He must know what's going on. He's been around the block in this business several times. He was a former goon, a tough guy, a bodyguard himself to the biggest and baddest mob bosses. He had moved up in the ranks quickly. Before this, his duties were much more limited in a sense. He had kept a low profile. He had lived in a modest house in the suburbs. He was an eight-to-five type of guy. He had a normal routine. As he rose higher in the organization, he sold his house, acquired a condo in the city, and had a company car, complete with a driver. He still tried to keep a low profile, but that was hardly possible anymore. It was either himself, one of his bodyguards, or his driver. I'm not sure which. But somehow, somewhere, at some unknown place in time, some information had been leaked. It was very important stuff. It brought in the Secret Service, the Homeland Security Task Force, as well as the FBI hovering in the background. And, of course, my boss had a piece of this action, too. That's why I'm here. Although I have specific instructions, I also have to use my other senses to keep watch on all the other guys, too. Okay, you now have some history. You're caught up. Almost. Let me bring you up to speed now, as I'm a gray-haired, complete with a ponytail, oldster, with a blue-striped jacket in a crowd of hundreds on Beale Street in Memphis, Tennessee. This place is full of hawkers, jazz joints, and sightseers. I've been here before, years ago. It hadn't changed much. I know my way around. I had that old gut feeling that something was about to happen. I hate it when my instincts act up. Sure enough, at mid-street, the guy fell into a crowd of sightseers. He had made a quick U-turn on the sidewalk to avoid his trackers. It had not fooled me, but I saw that the others had lost him. The guy had doubled back, crossed Beale Street inside that group of sightseers, and left those other trackers scrambling around like headless chickens looking for him. I saw a service door open near the end of B.B. King's jazz joint only for a second or two. The guy was yanked inside the place in one second or less. I'm sure that he had lost all of those other trackers. Then it happened. Nobody in the world would have expected it. The explosion blew the entire second story to smithereens. The whole street shook. Many of the centuries-old buildings collapsed. The ugly black smoke and debris rained down, mixing with the blasts of water coming up from beneath the streets and screams for help. Water shot out from the broken and shredded pipes everywhere. I had managed to get behind that construction dumper just as the entire corner building scattered bricks and bodies everywhere. It was a terrible sight, and a very horrible scene. I had seen death up close and personal before, but this was by far and away worse in every aspect. I won't go into the gory details. 
my job was done for the day, and the night, and possibly forever. I don't know how anyone could have survived that tremendous blast. My knees are still shaking. It had been maybe just a few seconds after that guy had been yanked through the service store. Hardly time to get up or down any stairs. I had seen the service door get blown out and then fire everywhere. It was devastating. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from To Serve, To Protect, To Spy. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.